Welcome to the Branches podcast. Branches is a community of faith, hope and love in the South Orange County. We are a church for people who don't go to church. If you'd like to learn more about our faith or our community, visit our website at branchesoc.com. So there's a, another tradition on Easter, and that's where someone will say he is risen, and then everyone else responds back, he is risen indeed. But I don't want us to really cut loose on that. We had like a little teaser earlier, but I don't want us to cut loose on that until later. Because it's a tradition that I think we can sometimes miss. And really not understand. And that's another tradition for Easter. It's Easter. And we're like, okay, this is a big day because of our faith. And, but I'm not really feeling it. But I know I'm supposed to. But I, that's normal. Okay? I'm that way too. Okay? I get it. That's one of the reasons why we went to uh, an Easter together on Thursday to kind of get us there. To help us to understand. Because we just take things for granted. That's our heart. Never apologize for your human nature. Which is to wander and to be distracted. I was driving yesterday with uh, my boys and uh, well, one of my boys and we were heading to his baseball game and we were talking about something and it, it's confusing to him because he's grown up in our family and he's going to have to make some faith decisions. Right now, he just believes. Um, but he's like, wait, so not everyone really believes and follows Jesus? I'm like, buddy, we're the minority. Like that doesn't mean that the majority doesn't say, hey, yeah, we're Christians, but there's a minority that really believes and trusts because it's natural for us to wander and to go astray. And he just kind of nodded in that 11-year-old brain like, okay, sure, whatever you say, Dad. I don't really believe you, but whatever. You don't know what you're talking about. So we say it, but we can sometimes lose why. And so my hope for us this morning with our music and what we're going to share from you out of the Word is um, that he has risen and it's changed everything. So I I had an experience... um, I don't know how many weeks ago it was, but we had a friend of ours and I've just met her recently and her husband was out of town um, and she's been helping on children's ministry. She's amazing. Like my daughter follows her everywhere. It's kind of annoying because she'll go to her rather than me or her mom, which is a little bit annoying. But other than that, she's awesome. And she, she's, her husband just found out that they were pregnant and now they just found out recently that they lost the pregnancy. And it was their first, and it was, it's, if you haven't experienced or walked with someone that has, it turns everything upside down. And so, um, it wasn't to plan. You know what I mean, right? Like, we all have our plan, how things are supposed to go. And I remembered that moment for us, that first time, because we've had it happen to us four times, where you have, you know, our first pregnancy, here it is. And we're running around and telling everybody. And then we had to go and untell everybody. And we're like, wait a minute. This, this isn't how it's supposed to go. And so we invited her over for dinner because I wanted her and Steph to be able to get together and share what only women can share. And trust me, I know that a woman needs to be there because I was a complete jerk during the whole process. I didn't realize what she was going through. And I'm like, oh, we'll work through this. And that's okay. God knows what he's doing. It's going to happen again. Don't worry about it. All rational. Yeah, don't do that. And so I knew that I didn't quite understand everything that happens to a mother when she finds out that her first pregnancy is not going to be her first baby. And so she came over and we shared stories. And and, I mean, I have so many stories that we didn't have enough time to share them this morning. I had to keep cutting them. Um, But I was, we were sharing about just what God does. And when she left, I knew that I was going to share this theme this morning. 
Because as I shared all those stories with her, this is what I said. I said, so do you see? God makes all things new. And we can tell you that because we're looking at our life and we can see that God makes all things new. And when I said it, it was one of those times when I said it, when I knew in my life that I know God. I don't know about God. I don't know things about him. I'm not like an academic or a scholar. I mean, I personally know the living God because after our conversation and me sharing and seeing all the times that God has turned things around and it has his unmistakable fingerprints all over our personal life. When I heard that coming out of my mouth, I was encouraged thinking, I know. No, I really know. And uh, last week, one of our elders was walking around. And, and I was sharing with him what I was going to share this morning. He said, well, it's Jeremy. I don't need to be all secret about it. The guy on the far end on the guitar. So Jeremy was on the far end and, and he wasn't leading music and he was walking around and he said, I'm really glad you're sharing about that because he goes, I was, God put on my heart as I looked around while we were singing and I could just see individuals just on the edge with mourning and pain and tears. And I could see married couples like kind of drawn a little bit closer to each other because they were going through something. And I could see other married couples a little bit farther apart, but they knew they needed to touch, but they really didn't feel like touching at that moment because of whatever was going on between them. He's like, we need this. It branches. We need to be reminded what Jesus said. I make all things new. And then we know a lot of you are visiting. This is, you're here. You don't even know who we are. You're like, wait, that guy never said his name. Who is that guy? I'm not going to tell you my name. It doesn't matter. I don't want you to leave thinking about me. But the point is, is, is that we know that you're going through some kind of pain or some kind of mourning because that's what happens in life. This is not heaven here. And when you make a decision to follow Jesus, that doesn't take away all your pain and all your tears. It's still here. But God is in the process of making all things new. And I want, us, I want to draw your attention to where he said that. I want to draw your attention to Revelation 21. So if you want a little Bible lesson... Don't call it Revelations. You know how we always say that? But that's not the name of it. So it sounds really fancy when you go, you know, it's not really Revelations. I'm a know-it-all. It's really Revelation. So if you want to be a know-it-all, there you go. I just gave you some material. So Revelation 21, John um, has been imprisoned on an island because of his faith in Jesus, because he said Jesus rose from the dead, and he was unwilling to take that back. And that's pretty much what happened to the disciples. And so, um, but God approached him while he was on this island said, you need to write this down. I'm going to show you things and I want you to write it down for these seven churches. And towards the end of Revelation, this is what John said. He said, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and there was no longer any sea. And I'll skip down to verse three. He says, and I heard a loud voice a heavenly voice, a divine voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. He's talking about heaven. John gets to see heaven and God wants him to write about it. And this is what he says also about heaven. Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death. 
or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. How good is that? Verse five, he who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. That's Jesus. Jesus on the throne said, I make all things new. And this is my favorite part. Write it down. You know what I mean? Like that's, if he were to translate it to us, if we were around and he was talking Southern California, he'd go, you know what? Bank on it. You know what? Check that off. I make all things new. Boom. Like that's how he would do it to explain it. Like it's done. Like I'm not just saying this. Like it's done. It's trustworthy and faithful. That's what he says. It is trustworthy and true. You can put your life on this. I make all things new. And when I was sitting with my friend and we were crying together, all of us, even the dog was probably crying. We were sitting there and I just, I knew though, I've got these tears, but you know what? He's made things new now. I get to see a reflection of what it's really going to be like. And as I'm talking to her, I can say that with full authority and confidence. And I was so excited to share that with you today. People go, oh, you're a pastor, Easter. You must be really nervous. No, normally, yes. But not now, because I get to share with you this amazing good news that he makes all things new. Whatever pain, whatever crying, whatever mourning you're going through, you need to know and believe that it's going to change. And not just in heaven, but it starts here. When you give him your life and follow him, things change. Now, I'm sharing these stories because we're we're talking about it, but there's always that thing in the back of your head. But yeah, does it really happen? Kind of like that first time you're going to jump on an airplane. Is this really going to get there? And so you got to look at everybody else. Like, really, have you been on one? How many times have you been on one? Okay, how about you? you did, how far did you go, though? Like, I'm going really far. Like, did you just go from San Diego to L.A.? Because I'm going really far. I want to make sure it gets there. And even when you've done it like 10, 15, 20 times, some of you are still like, oh, I need that little bottle because I'm not going to be able to make it through this. Like, we know how it goes, right? So I want you to hear from someone else that can tell you from his honest perspective. I want to invite up Hairspray. We, we call him Hairspray. His name's John, so come on up. And he shared a few weeks ago. And as what usually happens, there's some people here to share, and some of you aren't here to hear it. And then, of course, some of you are visiting, so you've never heard it. But I wanted him to share basically the story of his life. So he's going to share a little section of his life. Is he? Okay, there he is. Usually it's a lot bigger beard. I was kind of hoping he'd grow it out for Easter, but... Family member got married. He had to look all clean cut. So please welcome Hairspray. Thank you. Good morning. I don't like doing this, and that's my way of trying to relax a little bit, just by letting you know I don't like doing this, but I'm happy to be up here. I was asked to share kind of what made me new, what uh, my struggles and my past, and uh, I grew up in a house without a father. I had a lot of stepdads, a lot of mom's boyfriends. Uh, My adolescence was spent dealing with a meth addict brother, and he pretty much turned our house into a drug den where all of his friends would come do drugs, they'd party, they'd steal anything not bolted down. They'd find a wrench and unbolt anything that was bolted down, and all to sell it for more drugs. This all going on in my house, and I'd get beat up for sticking up for myself. I'd get beat up for looking at them wrong. 
And all the while, my mom was just blind to it because she was too busy worrying about her love life. Fast forward a few more years, kind of high school era. Uh, I was uh, kind of blessed to be part of a nice clique of friends who just kept me together and kept me away from home and just never did anything bad. And 12 years ago this month, uh, one of my best friends was taken from me by a drunk driver. And that kind of set the catalyst for my next few years of my life and how I would deal with things. And I, we all took to drinking, even though he was killed by a drunk driver. And we all partied and hurt ourselves and hurt people and did stupid things that I can't take back. But I did them nevertheless. And uh, it was all kind of a mask to hide my depression and my, my pain because losing someone who was that close to me just sucked. Um, one night I was pretty down, wasn't drinking, so I was kind of feeling it. And I drove from my house in Long Beach all the way to Ortega Highway, a place I've never been before in my life. And I, uh, I drove as fast as I could, and I tried to kill myself that night. And uh, I didn't. I think uh, that point in my life where Jesus was as far away from me as I possibly could push him, he was the one behind the wheel. I've never, ever spoke to, prayed to, screamed at, was mad at, asked for answers more in my life that night than I did to God. And when I finally pulled over and realized what I was doing and shocked that I was actually trying to end my life, I, uh, I just wised up and I realized I needed to, needed to turn around. And I think that was him speaking to me and just, I needed that uh, pretty much near-death experience to shape me up a little bit. A few months later, I uh, was introduced to a little blonde girl at my buddy's bar. She was the first person in a long time that was a believer in Christ and she wasn't shy about it. You know, most people you meet, you know, they don't want to talk to you about it, but she was wide out in the open, a beautiful believer in Christ. And I have always believed in God, but I've pushed him away for my own reasons. And she brought me right back and I was just immediately attached to her and we hit it off. And she's kind of the reason she's my gift from God to keep me here to raise my beautiful children, to shape myself up, and to make myself new. And I thank God every day for her, and I thank God every day for those terrible experiences. Uh, I would never take them back for a, for a single moment. That's it. Thank you. Nobody likes to stand up in front of a crowd and speak. But I want you to know, I asked him to do it. I said, Harrisburg, I wouldn't ask you to do this if I didn't think it would bless others to hear. Because you need to see that this actually happens in the real world. This actually happens with people. And so um, when uh, our friend was at our house and we were going through the stories, one of the things I shared was about um, our first three miscarriages. And we got to the point where 
like you get pretty broken after the third. You're just like, come on, seriously. And um, so we had a situation where uh, somebody had called, someone from the family had called, and I'm vacuuming. And um, uh, as I'm vacuuming, I see Steph go, oh, and drop the phone. I was like, what? It's not that loud. I'm thinking she's all angry at me. But she was angry at the person that called because when she just talked about her miscarriage, this person on the other line, not a male, by the way, because I don't want to give males all the bad press here. Um, this, this lady said, well, I don't know why you had a miscarriage. No one, all the ladies in our family have babies easily. <laughs> phone dropped. Uh, this is from the lady who has multiple kids from different dads and has abandoned them all. And Steph was sitting there thinking, God, seriously, this is not the way it's supposed to go. I follow you. I do the things you tell me to do, and I can't get pregnant. This person doesn't follow you and abandons their kids, and you keep giving them more kids? Like, this is not how life is supposed to work. God, I know how it's supposed to work, and this isn't it. And we went on a trip, and um, shortly after that trip, that was to Mexico, uh, after that trip, we got pregnant. And we had a name chosen, and the name was Keaton. And we were really excited about this name. You know, it's like, oh, the name, because it sounded cool. There was really nothing. There was no reason other than that. It was cool. And we decided that's not what we can name. our. We can't name our child a name because it sounds cool. And it just comes off the lips all awesome. So we, um, we said, you know what, we'll, we'll search. And so we, my stepmother gave us this book with all the names. And we, what does that name Keaton mean? And I opened it. And I saw what it meant, and I closed the book, and I said, that's the name. Now, I have to give you a short background on our family history to understand what, why that means anything. So I know all of Steph's story because she's a married to her, so she tells me most of it. And um, when she was in high school, she grew up in you know, a very poor family, couldn't go to school. She got accepted into Point Loma Nazarene University, if you know anything about that. That ain't cheap. Um, and so she didn't have the money to go there. So she went to, uh, lost winds or Lawson, whatever you want to call it, this little cliff and there's overlook and she's looking at the waves and she's sitting there on that bench and she's like, God, like, I need your help. I need to be able to get there. And Steph prays with her eyes closed. She's one of those. And so she has her eyes closed and she just sensed. It's one of those times doesn't happen all the time, but when you sense that God hears you and he's close and she opens her eyes and there is something close. And it didn't look like God. It was a hawk, like two mics over from me. And a hawk, oh, that's so beautiful. But when they're close, she said, it's freaky scary. And the hawk was just staring at her with a little, she, I love the way she describes the eyes were just going back and forth. Like, and she went, okay. Two weeks later, she ended up getting this scholarship that she didn't know was coming from some school thing that she didn't apply for that paid for school. And she was able to go to school. Fast forward. She meets this really handsome, charming guy. <laughs> And we start dating and she had all these plans for what she was going to do with her life. She had it all figured out. She had a plan in place. And, um, this charming guy messed all that up. And so she went down, she was at Point Loma and and it's on the beach. And so she went down to the cliffs that overlooked the ocean and she's down there praying. She's like, God, I'll go wherever you want. Is is this my future with him? I didn't know that you, I wasn't planning on getting married for a while. Like I'm in college, I'm young, but I'll go wherever you want. This was not, I had the plan of medical school and this and that. And 
And she just felt God was there. She felt that his presence was there. I'm not making this stuff up. She opens her eyes. Hawk. Okay, she's not Native American. This isn't what usually happens to her. This is just what's going down. Like the hawks keep showing up and there's the hawk. Now I want to fast forward to her dropping the phone. So we go to Puerto Vallarta. Our first time, actually it's our last time traveling out of the country as a family and, and going on vacation. So we went and um, we've had our three miscarriages. And she goes out to pray. And, and I remember her coming back and telling me the story. She goes, I was praying and I was yelling at God. I don't even know if I felt God's presence. I just felt fury and anger and frustration that God didn't go according to our plan. And so she finished praying and she looked and above her were three hawks, not like way up there. You know how they're like way up there. Like, Oh, look, there's hawks. No, like 15 feet above her head. What? But she felt like, okay, God's here. Cause I've seen this happen before. Now fast forward. I have this book. I know all these stories. We've chosen this name Keaton. It's really cool. So that's the only reason we're choosing it. So we got to ditch the name. Then I open up this book and she says, what does it mean? And I said, Steph, the name Keaton means where hawks fly. Now, I don't share that with you to make your hair stand up. But to us, that lets us know, you know what, Boog, Steph, I got you. I knew him before he was born. I know what I'm doing. Trust me, I am not doing it your way. And yes, there will be pain and life is difficult. As Jesus said in the word of God, he told us there will be pain. But I got this. And when I look at Keaton, it reminds me all the time of what Jesus said. I make all things new. Maybe it wasn't the way you had a plan, but I make all things and I make them new. Think of these disciples, the men and the women. It's Friday. Good Friday, right? Everyone wonders, why do you call it Good Friday? Like Jesus died that day. Because now that we look, we're like, oh, that's good. But they were distraught because they had all these plans, all these things figured out. The new kingdom is going to be here. Jesus, he's the Messiah. We believe it. So this is how things are going to go. This is the way we have it planned when there's a Messiah. This is what's going to happen. On top of that, the Romans are out of here. On top of that, all the pain, all that's going to leave. Life is just going to be happy. We're going to have Great food all the time. Dogs and cats are going to play together. It's going to be beautiful. This is how life is supposed to be. And here they are seeing his body being taken off the cross, bent, pierced, bleeding, and being wrapped in linens and taken to a cave and buried. All of their dreams and flying machines and pieces on the ground. And they're just looking at this going, what? This wasn't. They know mourning. They know pain. And yet they knew Jesus. And they heard him say, look, I will die and rise again in three days. But they didn't believe it. Because it sounds too crazy, doesn't it? That's why two days later, when Mary and Mary, and I I don't know what the deal is with with this period of time, but everybody's named Mary. And so all the Marys are coming to the tomb and another lady who's not named Mary. And they come and they're there to do the rituals because they have rituals of what they do for the graves and those who have passed away. And yet when they come, the cave is open. It's not supposed to be open. They were going to try to talk the soldiers into opening it for them, but they get there and it's already blown open. And of course, what do they think? They don't think that he rose from the dead because that just sounds too crazy. 
And so they're like, huh, seriously, we go through all this and now someone steals the body. Like, really, you hate us that much that you're going to steal the body on top of everything we've gone through. And so they come back to the disciples and they're like, hey, this is what's gone down. And so Peter runs there with John and John lets us know very clearly we were running there and I got there first. So John gets there first and they look in and John says, I believed. But Peter didn't. I don't believe John did. I think he's, I think he, I think he can't really see clearly when he thinks back. Oh yeah, I had it nailed. I knew for sure. I remembered, but Peter, he has the reaction that I would have. He has the reaction you would have. He's just like, what went down here? Like what happened? And then the ladies, they see Jesus and it says they were terrified and excited at the same time, because that's what happens when he makes all things new. You're just like, well, is this really happening? Really? Keaton? Really? Really? Seriously? No, this can't be going on. Take it to a whole nother level now with the son of God being there and looking at them. And Jesus knows how this goes. That's why he had to stay around for 40 days. It wasn't like, hey, I'm here for a couple days and I got to get back. He's like, no, it's not going to sink in, is it? So I'm going to stay. I want you to know I make all things new. You have nothing to be afraid of. Where are the men at this point? They're hiding. They're up in an upper room and they're hiding. And the Bible's very clear why they're there. They're afraid. They're afraid of death because they know they were associated with Jesus. Jesus has been killed. They're up there afraid of dying. And let's not try to sugarcoat this or paint it in pastels. These are a bunch of guys. We know what the girls are doing. They're crying. They're letting their emotions out. The guys are all just staring at each other. And they're not talking much. And there was wine. There's no reason to say they weren't drinking wine. I cannot imagine them. Some of those guys were drinking too much wine because they don't know how to deal with this pain this morning. They just want it to go away. I'm not supposed to feel this way. I'm a guy. And so they're up there. They're afraid of dying and they're hiding. And the ladies show up and like, we just saw Jesus. And what do you think they said? Yeah. No, that's not what, of course not. They're like, literally one of the guys, they kept them kind of unnamed. These ladies are crazy. Get the crazy ladies out. That's what they said. They're, they're losing it. We don't trust ladies anyways. You know that ladies have a lower standard here during our time of culture. And you're freaking out emotionally. And we can't deal with this. So you're crazy. Well, Jesus kept showing up and kept showing up and kept showing up and kept showing up to the point where they're like, oh, my gosh. To the point where every single apostle was martyred killed because they would not deny that Jesus died and rose again. They willingly took it on. They had the choice to avoid death. And they went and said, no, we know that Jesus died. We saw him raised from the dead. In fact, several of them said this, you know what? You're going to crucify me too, but don't crucify me standing up because I'm not worthy to be crucified. Like my Lord, why don't you just crucify me upside down? Like how confident are they that they're like naming their terms on how they're going to be executed? How could they do this? How did that change happen? Because Jesus rose from the dead. And they know that he has risen. They know this. I want to close with this. Because, again, you're hearing this story. You're like, what? Okay, so this happened, but I don't know these guys. This happened a while ago. Like, that's great that they, but I don't want to die. I'm still afraid of death. I'm afraid of my finances. I'm afraid of my marriage. I'm afraid of my kids. I'm afraid of having kids. I'm afraid of not having kids. I'm afraid of my neighbors. I'm afraid of earthquakes. I don't know what you're afraid of. I don't know what pain you've gone through, but it always seems big. I'm in a public speak. Oh my gosh. Like, I know what that feels like. 
But Jesus makes all things new and everything is turned upside down. So I want to close with this last story that we shared with our friend. I told you, I was sitting there with her and I knew that I wanted to share this stuff with you because it was encouraging to me. I I never asked her, hey, was that encouraging for you? She might've gone, I don't know, he just kept talking the whole time. But the reality was for me, it was so encouraging for my faith. And so we shared about our final miscarriage. We had a, um, uh, we even got to hear the heartbeat. I was positive that it was another boy. We have two boys and a girl right now. And then we found out it was, um, not a boy. And, um, we had a plan. And so we went in to the ultrasound to hear, you know, if it was a boy or girls or waiting for this excitement. And we actually didn't get to hear then because our friend who was the ultrasound tech said, I'm so sorry, but there's no heartbeat. I need to go get the doctor right now. And then she left. If I don't know how long it was, but time stopped because all of our dreams and our plans, our expectations just fell to the ground. And so we began that process. And one of the parts of that process was we couldn't deliver for another um, two days. So we had to de- I just realized that significance right now. <laughs> just now. It was our Good Friday, so to speak. And because she was on blood thinners, it would be too risky for her to have any kind of surgery or delivery because w- there would be too much. It's just too risky. So we had to wait two days. And so for those two days, you know, we just mourned. And I mean, this was, this was by far the worst thing I've ever gone through emotionally. And, um, it was worse for Steph. She would be here sharing with you right now, these stories, except she's Steph and she's back there loving on your kids. Um, little side note. I didn't know what they were doing for elementary or the little kids. Like they're not just watching your kids. Like they are going all out for your kids. Cause that's what they do. I mean, you really need to thank them cause they're just, they're ridiculous the way they love and try to share this good news that I'm sharing with you with these children. So she's back there doing that. But she went through this horrible pain. So she just prayed. She said, Lord, I want you to take this nightmare and I want you to use it as a blessing for other people. What, however you can make this into good news for other people. And um, there was a verse that we held on to. And this is a verse that I know the disciples had to remember when they saw Jesus risen. It's from Proverbs. They had this. They had this memorized even. It's part of the rules actually for the men to have this memorized. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways, acknowledge him. Turn to him and he will direct your ways. He will direct your path. So don't look at your expectations or your plans or the way you think things work, but look to him and he will direct you. He will be the light upon your road. He will show you where to go. And so that was the verse that we held on to because our understanding was we were going to have this child and this is the way it was going to work. So we get to the, the day of the delivery. And I even asked the Lord. We had prayed. I've seen this happen before. I've seen people being healed. I've seen amazing things happen. So we prayed. And I said, hey, doctor, you need to check an ultrasound again. No, we need to do this. I went, no, you need to check. And she was still passed away. She did not rise from the dead. I knew God could do it, but he chose not to. I don't know why I'm not going to lean on my own understanding and let him direct the path. So we turned to him and we prayed and, and then she went through the delivery process. And as she was delivering, 
She said, the doctor's right here, and there's this blank, ugly wall behind her. I think it even had an ugly painting or something. It's right behind her or behind the doctor. And she said, no one's going to believe me, but I know what I saw, and this is what happened. She said, it all disappeared, and she saw Jesus. And she said, the colors, like I even asked her this morning, I go, Steph, was there anything behind it? Like, did you see trees? Did you see oceans? Did you see mountains? She goes, no, I, I, the, the colors were like colors that aren't even on this planet. She goes, it was so vivid and clear. And I saw Jesus. And I saw Jesus holding our baby. That moment has changed our entire family. I know this story. I know that Jesus rose. I know that he conquered death. I know that he makes all things new. But I still am like, really? Is this plane going to get there? Like, are you sure? And yet I got to, to sit here with my wife and I didn't get to see it. A little bit of a rip off for me. But I know my wife and I know, and she goes, I don't care if anybody believes. Like she doesn't even like telling the story because it's almost like too treasured for her. She just wants to kind of hold it close. In fact, I had to make her share it with our friend when she was over there. I was like, Steph, you got to share that story. And she didn't like, she didn't say, I don't want to share it, but I could tell. Because it's like something that she treasures. She got to see what we want for all of our kids. I love my kids here. I don't want them to leave. But what I want for them more than anything is for them to know the love and the purity and to be held by God. And so as we shared this story, we, we, we wanted to like, they used to set up altars. They used to set up altars so they could remember what God has done. And so we asked Kirsten. Uh, one of the amazing voices up here, she's a painter. And we asked her, would you paint something? And she goes, well, I, I, I don't want to try the colors because they don't exist. So I'll sketch something out. And Steph said, look, I don't want you to try to recreate because I don't, I don't want that recreated. I want to hold on that to myself. But as I share this story with you, Kirsten, just sketch it out. Whatever you see, sketch that out. And that's the sketching that's right over here. And that hangs in our living room to remind us, to remind us, what Jesus said, I make all things new. We know that you're going through pain. If you haven't, you will. Like, there's no way you haven't gone through pain. There's no way you haven't gone through mourning. There's no way that you look around and go, this is not the way it's supposed to be. And that's true. But we want you to leave knowing this. Jesus said, I make all things new. Write it down. And I was sharing with my friend, like I'm sharing with you guys today, what I wanted to share. Above all, I've taken that plane, and I'm still mid-flight, and it's amazing. But we've landed several times. We keep landing, and it's beautiful. It's better than anything, and it's only going to get better. Some of you have made that decision, and you just need to be reminded. You just need to be reminded you have nothing to be afraid of. These disciples were like, what are you going to do? Kill me? Bring it on. But yet we have so much fear. You have nothing to be afraid of. For those who are in Christ are a new creation. The old has passed. The new has come. Jesus said this in John 14. Truly, truly, I tell you, I go to prepare a place for you. Why do you have to say it twice? Because he's like, look, I know you're not going to believe it, so i got to keep telling you. Write it down. Boom. I'm preparing a place for you. Life was meant for us to live with he is risen. He is risen indeed. So I'm going to invite the worship team up. They're going to lead us in some singing. But these are prayers we put to music. And as they're coming up, 
I want to let you know that we're going to have um, a prayer team back here. They're going to be back there to pray over anyone that wants to be prayed for because you have pain. Or if any of you have made a decision, you're like, look, I'm ready. I've, I've heard about this plane. I've heard about this. I'm ready to make that decision to follow Jesus. I don't even know what it looks like. In fact, I f- it scares me so much, I feel like I need to grab a little bottle. But I'm ready. I'm at that place that I have the trust. I don't have all the answers, but I have the trust. I want to follow him, and I want to, I want to experience this new life that you guys keep talking about. Then they're back there to pray with you for that as well. But like I said, we have a tradition here on Easter. So could everyone please stand? I'm going to say something. I'm going to say he is risen. You can respond. You don't have to respond back. Okay. I want you to respond back. If you believe this or you want to believe this or you have believed this, I'm going to say he is risen and you're going to respond back. He is risen. Indeed. There's still a few people sleeping on the boats. It's time to wake them up. (laughs) He is risen. He is risen. He is risen. He is risen. All right. Let's sing.